Hello, my friend, and welcome to this podcast through a trauma-informed lens, Soma, Psyche, and Soul. My name is Aneta Itchak, and I'm your host here. This podcast is for you if you're a heart-centered practitioner who works or wants to work with clients in a more trauma-informed and somatic way. You might be a coach, a yoga teacher or therapist, a healer, holistic wellness practitioner or a body worker. I welcome you here. In this podcast, we are going to explore how we can connect with and support others from a more compassionate and embodied space and in a way that includes the wholeness of our and our clients' felt experience, in a way that includes our soma, psyche, and soul. I will be sharing with you somatic practices and tools that I teach in our trauma-informed somatic teacher and coach training certifications. And I will be speaking with other practitioners who, like me, are on a mission to create safer spaces and make a real positive impact within their communities and the world. I hope you will join me in this conversation and welcome again. Hello everyone and welcome to another conversation with a lovely practitioner and today I have a pleasure of speaking with Jenny Stone. Hello Jenny. Hi Annette, lovely to see you again. Uh, thank you, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Jenny is a yoga teacher and reflexologist who's been working with and supporting um, clients and students with cancer for many years now and she is now running her training academy um, training other yoga teachers to support people with cancer um, sounds like a real such a important thing to do um, and you know I had a pleasure speaking with you Jenny before number of times and each time I'm always kind of moved by the work that you do and I I you know some stats that you shared before and I think maybe we can share them again today um, but before we do any of that um, I'd love you just to share a little bit about your journey so how did you end up supporting um, and working with people who have cancer or are recovering from cancer yeah so it's it's a bit of both yeah quite a long journey really I sort of look back and it's over 20 years now so mm. yeah where does the time go <laughs> mm. although I think it shows when you're on the right path you don't notice the time yeah, yeah. um but it started when I first qualified as a reflexologist and I think I'd always been interested in like real health care rather than pampering and mm. that was my motivation for getting into therapy work and so I started volunteering at my local hospice and that gave me my first experience of of working with people with cancer um there were other illnesses there too in their daycare um but I realized I was really interested in cancer and became more and more aware of how prevalent it is, you know, in society as a whole. Um, and so I just decided at that point that that was always going to be something that I wanted to have as part of my practice. And so that developed then over time to working for a specific breast cancer charity. 
And then when I qualified as a yoga teacher, um, it was just a few years after, and there was a, at this breast cancer charity, they then were looking for a replacement yoga teacher because the person they had was going into semi-retirement and traveling. And so I sort of tentatively put my hand up and went, well, I know you know me as a reflexologist, but I am a yoga teacher as well. And, you know, if you're open to the idea that would, I would really love to do this class. And they went, yes, of course. Mm. Uh, you already know the people here. You understand what their issues are. And I think because at that point I'd had a few years experience working with cancer, really getting that feedback from people, these conversations that you have, and they're telling you all the different ways they're affected. And I think those conversations are very different to conversations they have with their medical team. I have more time with them. And so you hear about the, the physical side effects, you know, the impact that the treatments had on them, but then you also start to hear about the more holistic impact that it has. Um, you know, and in, in the trainings, we talk about the five koshas and those different layers. And yeah, they, people are affected on every level. It's not just a physical. And so really getting that, that holistic picture and just seeing the need for more than the medicine and the medicine is really important I would never tell people not to do it that's you know out of my remit um so I don't ever advise on any of that but it's seeing that even with the best medical care like the the ripple effect and the spiraling out of a diagnosis and treatment into every area of someone's life every level of their being you know, people need much more holistic support than the NHS are equipped to give. Yeah. And so that really was like, okay, there's there's a huge gap here. And people are telling me how much it's changing how they're feeling, how they're coping, their symptoms, their sense of optimism, ability to cope, their relationships, like all of these things. And so that has kind of really given me the fire to, to fight for this. Like, this is important. This isn't a fluffy add-on. It has a real impact. And the more that I look into this and the more I read about it and the more kind of research papers I find, you know, there's research now that's indicating that when people do a regular yoga practice through their treatment and beyond, the rates of recurrence, you know, the, the odds of recurrence are cut. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is, you know, I don't want to say yoga is life-saving, but if you can do stuff that shifts the odds in your favor, if you're less likely to get a recurrence, I think that's really worth investing in. Mm, definitely, definitely. And I, I guess it's like, you know, what are we what we're talking about in here mm -hmm. is we're not talking yoga, get on the mat and do some postures. Yeah. We are talking about this much more holistic approach, isn't it? When we are yeah. working with breath, when we are working with movement, mm -hmm. when we are working with interception when we are working with uh, self-awareness, when we are working with self-care, when we are um, 
you know, doing meditation maybe or guided practices that reduce your stress significantly and can point you, orient you towards well-being yeah. and uh, having hope. I mean, that's one of the biggest things, isn't yes. it, within the kind of having cancer being diagnosed being told and then the treatment um it's it's a big thing big thing and you said it already yourself it's like it impacts every single part of somebody's life it's not just their physical or mental well-being it's their ability to work it's their mm -hmm. relationships it's it's their uh, productivity or you know how they're showing up it's it's other commitments that they might already have if they got children or yeah. uh, elderly parents it's other health stuff that they already had so it's a big big thing isn't it it's it um, is it is and and also it's a long time. Mm. I think when people are less familiar with it, they're a little shocked to discover that somebody could be in treatment for a year or two. Mm. This isn't, you discover a thing, you have an operation and then six weeks later it's done. In a few cases, actually that can be the case, but for a lot of people, if you're looking at surgery and then chemotherapy and then radiotherapy, this can easily be spread over 18 months to two years. And then when you're thinking about your day-to-day -day logistics of if I'm two years in treatment and I can't do a normal full-time job, you know, and I'm immunocompromised and maybe I don't want to take the kids to school where all the bugs are and maybe I'm not physically, you know, strong enough. I'm, you know, fatigue is a huge issue. So there's there's all of these things, like this is a big chunk of someone's life um, and it can be quite overwhelming. And even when you get to the end of treatment and, it's all gone perfectly and they get the all clear it's a big recovery afterwards yes. I think it's yeah. often where I see people crash yeah. I think that's where they get the the kind of post-trauma response because they've just been next appointment next treatment like one step at a time I'm coping and you're in the moment and there's not always chance to really draw back breath and get perspective. And at the end of treatment, when you reach safety is when you can kind of have that emotional collapse. So yeah. when people are at the end of treatment is also when they need a lot of support and where yoga can be wonderful because they're at a point of being signed off from their medical support. And so there can be this real feeling of abandonment mm. that they're used to going into hospital regularly. And although that's not a fun thing, there's the reassurance of that check-in with professionals on a regular basis and kind of being told early on, okay, you're sick, you need treatment. And then at the end it's like, oh, well, you're fine now, off you go. There's a feeling, am I fine? How, how do I know I'm fine? How do I know everything's okay? And you're not going to see me for six months. Like, you know, it's, it's a little bit disorienting and a little bit scary. So yeah, having that touch point of a class to come to is really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, yeah, that really resonates. I, I remember working with somebody who went through, 
cancer and cancer mm. treatment and then you know was told you are in remission now and I remember her saying exactly what you just said it's um you know I've been in this fighting 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 doing all this yeah. stuff and now suddenly I'm just like I don't know what to do what am I supposed to do now at yeah. the end of all of this and how do I know who I am now with all this and how do I move forward it's big big questions big yeah questions. and, and I... when we when we look at the kind of you know statistics of mm. um within our society western society and how prevalent cancer is I mean I remember you saying that it's one in two almost yeah. almost one in two yeah yeah and and that obviously includes all the different types of cancer but that's a huge huge statistic and just that always kind of blows my mind <laughs> like, yes. oh my god one in two that's huge it is I, you know that's half the population mm. and so and again that's kind of a big driver for me with training is I can't provide yoga to half the population, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it's, and I see how useful it is, how powerful it is. And, you know, I want everyone who gets the diagnosis to go, oh, there's a class I can go to that's close to me with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, And yeah, that's, that's a big driver for me. And that's kind of the, the mission statement of my academy is that everyone who gets a diagnosis has a class they can go to. Um, because I think it, you know, ideally we get yoga on prescription and it's an integral part of our treatment because I think it's so beneficial. I love that big mission. Yes. Big, big <laughs> mission. I love it. Yeah. And so what comes up for me is because you've been doing training for delivering your training for four or five years now. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's a good chunk of time. So from your experience, what do you see is that like kind of a biggest challenge for yoga teachers who come through your trainings? What are the kind of things Ooh. that, you know, other teachers share? I think there's still a lot of fear around cancer so I think a lot of teachers you know if somebody in their class gets a diagnosis there's this real fear of oh that's serious and I'd like to help but I don't want to cause any damage I don't want to somehow make somebody worse or spread their cancer or so I think there's um there's a level of education needed at at that point so we always start the training with understanding okay what exactly is cancer what are the treatments what are the side effects what are the impacts um and that starts building a picture and I think the other thing which I suppose is more an issue for me and again it's it's shifting a perspective so I think the first thing is kind of taking the fear out of it It's like, well, once you understand and you break it down into, you know, sort of logical steps and smaller chunks, you can start to take a logical approach to how you would develop a lesson plan for somebody. And I think the thing that I kind of try and have a shift of of thought around is I think a lot of people come in 
maybe with a little bit of an idea that I might be kind of giving them a prescription of such mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, well, this is a sequence for this issue and this is a sequence for that issue. And it's a, it doesn't work like yeah. that. So there isn't a, a yoga for cancer formula. I don't have boilerplate lesson plans that people take away. Mm. It's very much about empowering teachers to really trust their own knowledge and giving them the foundational principles. So that's kind of how I, if there is a formula, it's more about the principles that underlie it. And if you use those principles, you can, you can develop a class for anybody. Yeah, you know, so I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's I can so resonate with people yeah. you know, coming through uh, uh, trauma-informed yoga teacher training and just like expecting me to kind of teach them step by step. This is yoga for trauma, yeah. and it's 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 exactly what you just said. It's like there are some foundational principles that you yeah. need to follow, things that you need to be aware of. But a lot of it is about collaboration and choice, isn't it? It's like collaborating yes. with your students, seeing what they resonate with, what works for them and what doesn't. One of the other things that you just said, and I, I think this is something that resonated for me, is you said that there is a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, my own experience was when I was working with clients who or students who had you who were diagnosed with cancer and going through treatment. I remember trying to find, um, you know, one of my students came to me and said, I really would love a massage. I'm so achy and everything hurts. And I, yeah. But a lot of massage therapists told her, no, I'm not going to do. I'm, I cannot because I've been told when I was trained that I cannot do that because I could benefit the spreading of cancer within your body. And I remember finding somebody that I knew who said, yes, of course I can do that. And the relief on that client's face of like, oh my God, now I can, you know, I can have a little bit of that massage. Um, and I think there is maybe something like this around that, you know, what you said, not understanding exactly yeah. not having in like having a tiny bit of knowledge and education but not enough to understand the yeah. picture of it to actually know you know what would be helpful and what could cause harm exactly. I mean what do you think about that yes no I think that I mean it was interesting actually what I often hear from people who come to my class at Maggie's which is the charity that I work for it kind of goes one of two ways. Either they they come up with against um, teachers who are well-meaning and fearful, and it's like, I'd love to help you, but I don't feel like I'm qualified or trained enough. I don't want to do you damage. It's best you don't come to this class. Mm. And then you have well-meaning teachers who maybe have a little bit of knowledge who's saying, yes, of course, I want to be inclusive. I want to support you. I don't want to turn you away. And then they deliver a class that's not really suitable for the person. Mm. So 
you know, they're coming in and say, oh, it was a really nice teacher, but they just didn't get it. I couldn't do half the stuff in the class. It was too exhausting. Like yeah. they didn't really know what my needs were. And so that, again, for both of those things is what the training's for is to really empower teachers who would love to support people but feel nervous of it and those who again want to be really inclusive but perhaps don't have enough knowledge to deliver what's suitable and I also like to kind of go beyond safety as well in terms of of course, your first thing is do no harm. You want to make sure people are safe in the class. But one of the underlying principles as well is we're not trying to modify people with cancer to do your class. <laughs> what we so what we so you can you can modify things to keep them safe in the class, but even better than that is yoga has like a million different practices mm. so out of all of those that you already know what are the things that are going to be really beneficial and helpful for these people so it's not oh how do I get them into a posture safely it's more well what postures and what practices would directly counteract some of the side effects that they're feeling you know, if bone density is an issue, what practices have we got that might help build bone density? If stress and anxiety is an issue, what practices do we have for that? Yeah. You know, and looking at it that way, rather than, oh, I've planned my term of classes and I know how to modify to keep someone safe. It's a very different thing to say, oh, I've designed the class for these people who have specific needs and it's really tailored to give them what they need yeah no I love that I love that and I guess it's you know looking at the statistics it's also mm -hmm. about really understanding that if you are working with groups of people there will be people in your classes that maybe uh, had cancer or cancer treatment in the past yeah but they're not talking about it a lot now because mm -hmm. maybe it was a few years back and they don't really want to talk about it or maybe, you know, it's it's kind of private thing and it makes people feel quite vulnerable at times. Um, one of the things for me is about this, this choice, you know, can we give people choice? Can we give people options? Like if mm -hmm. you're having a general class and you have got people in there, could you give them some you know, each posture can have two or three different variations yeah. <laughs> and yes. asking people to choose, you know, if you are quite tired, if you haven't slept, if you had bad news, you know, you're emotionally triggered or you're exhausted physically or, you know, any something is going on for you. Here are the three different options of this pose, mm -hmm. you know, choose the one that is maybe more intense physically or less intense or maybe don't do any of them and he, you know you could do something else instead but I think something like this requires teachers to really trust what they know mm. and requires a little bit of experience because when you are a new teacher you know you've got this yeah. practice sheet and you need that for your safety and you know yeah. that you know what you are doing 
And I think ultimately it's about just being human, isn't it? It's like, forget about being a yoga teacher so much. Yeah. If you just pay attention and you connect and you start building that relationship and you slow things down a little bit, yes. you know, then you can start interacting in a different way not as a just as a yoga teacher but also as a human being connecting with somebody in front yeah. of you and you know because we all know when somebody's in pain we can see it yeah. as human most of us can see it as human beings yeah. you know we can see when somebody's struggling we can see when somebody's out of breath um we can see by somebody's facial expressions and the rhythm of their movement whether this is a right level of intensity for the practice for where they are right now or whether they are you know yes. really really struggling with it um, yes. so i i wonder within your training um what else do you cover i know that you added some extra modules yes. to your training which <laughs> sounded really exciting and i i thought it would be really great to hear about it yeah but i think every time i run the course i always then get ideas of like oh wouldn't it be great if we did this next time mm. and so it has grown over time um and so for next year what I've decided to do is to add in two modules that really focus on additional needs around women's health and cancer. Mm. And I think for two reasons, really, I think, first of all, most of us as yoga teachers mostly work with women. Mm. So it's, you know, it's going to be serving the population we actually teach. Um, and again, I think there's also a real gap in NHS care around this. So mm -hmm. one of the modules looks specifically around breast cancer, um, which is the most common cancer out of all of them in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at over a thousand new diagnoses every week in the UK. Wow, that's a big statistic. Yeah. You know, something like 55 and a half thousand new cases each year. Wow. So, you know, and I'm sadly expecting that maybe to like blip up a little bit because there was missed screening during lockdowns. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're not sure how kind of the lay of the land in cancer generally is going to look over the next couple of years or so as those things filter through. Um, so, you know, if most of the women that if most of the people we teach are women and this is very common amongst women, then and I think it's something like one in three women will get some kind of breast cancer. So if you're teaching long enough, that's going to show up in your class and the majority of, of women with breast cancer get surgery. Um, so looking specifically at recovery from surgery, I think is really important um, and again, it's it's about helping people live a normal life, mm -hmm. you know, returning back to a functional range of movement. Um, so, you know, very much on that initial physical recovery. But of course, rolled in all of that is all the mental and emotional things that go with it, um, you know, and also to do with 
body confidence, sexuality, relationships, like how we feel in our bodies and this world that judges us how we look. Mm. It's hard to, to kind of not feel that way. Um, intellectually, we may understand that maybe it's not the most important thing, but on some level, like we do care how we look, even if we say we don't, <laughs> I think we do. Um, so all of that is, I think, a really important thing to cover. And the other module looks at medical menopause. And this is something I feel there's a huge kind of lack of care. Um, when it happens as part of cancer treatment. So there are a few different types of cancer treatment that can cause a medical menopause. So this happens before a normal time. Um, and often the menopausal effects are much more severe because they can come on suddenly. Um, you know, if someone is taking drugs that suppresses estrogen. It's very different from that gradual transition, I think, that you and I are both experiencing at the moment. And it's not, you know, I'm feeling a natural process is not the easiest to literally. I had one conversation with somebody who said she literally just woke up the next day after surgery, had a hot flush of massive intensity. And it was literally overnight she was in severe menopause. Mm. And there's not a lot of support available medically at the moment. There's, there's, you know, there's groups that are moving towards it and it's a bit of a postcode lottery, but very much the, the focus is on dealing with the cancer and sometimes the attitude is, oh, that's just nothing, like just be grateful you're alive, don't worry about that. Yeah. But actually it's huge. For some, it's a permanent loss of fertility that's no small thing um and the physical side effects can be really life-changing um in terms of being able to maintain relationships to even feel comfortable enough to work yeah. um, and, and the sense of identity yeah. I mean this is just like this is what yeah. always comes up for me it's like this you know our western society is not designed to support women in the first place that's something <laughs> that I discuss we discuss a lot in in the trainings that I run you know the yeah. role of a woman within the society and then you know women are unfortunately um you know in a sometimes discriminated against sometimes just put in situations that are very very challenging you know around when women uh, have children and they the child care and they you know the yes. how women are supported with going back to work and then around the menopause and mm -hmm. you know the identity shift that comes on when women go through yes. perimenopause and menopause and then if that happens you know, you, you are diagnosed with cancer, you're going through the treatment, which is for many really quite traumatic and quite, yeah. um, it, it's a big, big thing. And as you said, it's a long-term thing. It can mm. last, you know, year, maybe two years even. And then suddenly you've got the menopause with everything that comes, which is many of us are impacted on the mental health level, mm -hmm. um, you know, that physical stuff, as you said, you know, fertility, yeah. all that, that's like all together. It is, it's huge. <laughs> and it's, it's also, I think what a lot of, 
younger women really struggle with is they don't have a peer group mm. so when you put in medical menopause at 35 none of your friends are going through that yeah and then you go to the doctor and they say well you can't have hrt because of your cancer um you're just gonna have to learn to live with the symptoms and they're sort of marooned it's terrible i mean just like i'm <laughs> laughing because i know because so what else can ridiculous. you do <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's just it couldn't be more ridiculous than that it's to to say that to somebody you know well they say half of the population are women yes yes and they'd like just be grateful you're alive what are you complaining about we just saved your life and now you're complaining uh, about this hmm. and yeah there Gosh. needs to be a big shift there and of course yoga is not going to take them out of menopause but there's so much that we can do to help with the symptoms but also the emotional processing and I think it's true in, in all cancer situations is the ability to create space for people to actually take breath, yeah. process, like just notice how they're feeling, maybe start to process some of them so there's not such a big build up yeah. um, and to reconnect with their body. A lot of the time there's a real sort of trauma response of just becoming disembodied and they don't kind of want to look there or they don't want to connect in initially because it's a place of of suffering or maybe they're cross with their body for going wrong and there's there's a lot of things to work through about people's relationship with their own self yeah. um and yoga I think is a really beautiful way to start to build that self-love and that self-compassion and reconnect and find joy in their body again and comfort in it and really so that for me is part of the healing is the you know we talk about union in yoga and for me it's like if you can get somebody to reunite mind body and soul as one living thing in that present moment that's a level of healing that I think is really valuable, whether or not the cancer is still present. Yeah, yeah. You know, there to feel so like a whole person. Yeah, I mean, there is so much in here, isn't it? It's, it's this validation of somebody's suffering and the validation of saying to them, no wonder, no wonder you are feeling like yes. this. No wonder you're feeling low or depressed or you're feeling really anxious. No wonder you feel disconnected. No wonder, you know, you are you are struggling in here and holding that space for somebody. And that really requires, I want to say certain maturity, but also it requires understanding. It's, yeah. um, it, it's when we know about this, when we you know, trained with somebody like yourself who can guide us through it when we had discussions around it, because so many of those uh, topics are still taboo, aren't they? Yes. It's like women don't talk about it. It's mm. very, very private. You know, the, the menopause, we talk a little bit about menopause, but we still kind of, um, you know, hide it. The, especially if we are struggling, cancer the same. It's not like you're gonna have the conversation around the dinner table. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very private thing. 
And I think it's it's this exactly what you just said, you know, if you come on the other end of your cancer treatment, there is this like, well, be grateful that you that you survived, that yes. you are in that percentage of people that actually pulled through and you are in remission without honoring that. Oh, my God, it's been such a horrendous journey for you and you really struggled. And now you are, you know, trying to rebuild your life. And it's very hard um yes. and to be able to hold somebody without having to fix it mm -hmm. <laughs> or try to kind of make them let's be positive now and you know look on the bright side of life and all of that rubbish oh you know? yeah <laughs> I mean it's something I talk about in the training as well is you know it's a real bugbear on mine it, it's what I call toxic positivity yes yes because actually we need to give space for all the feelings mm. and they're all valid and yes you know I love affirmations I use them for myself and yes be aware of the things that are good you know but I think you can have gratitude and grief at the same time yeah. and deny the grief I think is dehumanizing people um, so, you know, what's labeled as negative, um, yeah, it frustrates me. It's, it's just another part of ourself that needs to be heard and needs attending to. And there's a lot of grief with cancer and not grief in the sense of, you know, necessarily death, but in the things that have been lost. Yes. You know, the person you were before, maybe parts of your body, your identity you know people there's no going back in life anyway but people don't go back to normal afterwards you know it's it's a new normal yeah. and part of that transition being able to I suppose to kind of move through that doorway is to be able to say goodbye to some of the, the things in the past and if we don't give space for that there can't really be proper healing yeah I think it's yeah. like any big life change, you know, any any transition from one thing to another, I think simultaneously can hold grief and joy, you know, and I think we, we need to allow space for both. Um, it's that and, shared human experience, isn't it? Yeah. It's like understanding that you know, we will go through different things in life and some of us will go through a challenging time of having that kind of illness and the, the you know, yeah. very challenging treatment that comes with it and, and trying to rebuild our, our life in a, in a different way afterwards. Yeah. Yes. So, guess, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So I wanted to ask about, you know, your Yoga for Cancer Academy. If somebody, because yeah. this is, this is like, for me, if I think about what's really necessary for yoga teachers or for coaches or for somatic practitioners, you know, yeah. there are a couple, there are a few things that always come up. For me, it's like trauma-informed. You've got to be trauma-informed. I'm really sorry. If you work yes. with people and you're not trauma-informed, I mean, oh dear, you've, you've got to, irregardless of what you do, you've got to understand that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and you, you've got to have somatic practices to support you. But the other thing that I always think about is this, you know, cancer, cancer education and supporting mm. people going through 
you know, cancer and recovering from cancer. So for me, you know, the stuff that you are doing is, is a really necessary part of our education as practitioners. So if somebody was really interested in learning from you and finding yeah. out more, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you offer under your academy? Yeah, so I've got a few different levels of training depending on where somebody's at. Um, so you can find everything on the website. It's yogaforcanceracademy.org. So everything's there. Um, so I have, as a starter level, there's a self-study module you can do in your own time. Um, and that's a nice introduction if you're really completely new to this and you just want to get a little, a little introductory level. Um, and then I have a one-day workshop, which I call The Essentials. And... Again, this is something that's going to give you like the real essential information you need to support people. If you've got one person in your class who has a diagnosis and you want to be able to still look after them, or maybe you want to work one-to-one -one with them, that's a great place to start. And then the course is now 10 weeks. Mm. Um, and this is the fully accredited, certified, specialist training so you can be a specialist yoga for cancer teacher set up your own classes go work within the health service or charities and yeah have those full yoga for cancer classes brilliant brilliant thank you so much jenny uh for uh taking time to speak with me today it's always a pleasure and um I look forward to seeing how your academy develops more and having yes. more people trained in your approach. Yeah, no, it's been absolute pleasure speaking with you today. The time has flown, which is yes. always a good sign. <laughs> yes. yes, thank you so much, Jenny. Oh, pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Aneta. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested in our training certifications at Golden Mandala Yoga Soma Institute, I invite you to visit our website, www.anettai.co.uk, where you can find all the information about our training certifications, uh, trauma-informed somatic teacher and coach for women and trauma-informed yoga teacher, as well as thriving business mandala coaching program. I look forward to connecting with you more. Mm -hmm.